morning. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Do you want to hear a St. Patrick's Day joke before we start? All right. So why do people carry around shamrocks? Or why do people wear shamrocks on St. Patrick's Day? Thank you, JB. That was great. Because roll rocks would be too heavy. I thought that was funny. You're welcome to use that anytime for anybody through the rest of the day. That can be the one thing you said, I learned in church today, I learned a good joke, all right? All right, so uh, hey, we're in week three of our current sermon series called More, and what we're doing in this series is we are going through uh, the book of Ephesians, and uh, the idea, the takeaway here is that we want to look at our identities in Christ, because um, we know that we live out who, that we, who we believe that we are. We want to live out who God says that we are instead of the lie identities that sometimes pervade um, our minds, because it can keep us from being who we are called to be. And so today's message is called I Am Full, and we're going to be looking at the subject of fullness in Christ. And, you know, I got to say, for me, I mean, I've been a Christian for, I don't know, like 23, 24, 25 years, um, and I think this is one of the absolute hardest subjects uh, for me. And the reason is because I, I feel like that the more you grow in Christ, the more you experience Christ, the more you recognize your need for Christ. And so the more you get, the more you feel like you need. And the more you get, the more you feel like leave. And you realize you, you, you feel the need so much more than when you, as you grow. And so it just becomes so hard because you're like, I want more, I want more, I want more. And you never feel like you're getting to where you want to be. And, you know, I ask myself, you know, if I really ask myself honestly, like, what fills me up? You know, my head says, Jesus fills me up. But I think a lot of times my heart is like... I don't know. We need, to, we need to talk about this a little bit. And so I think the absolute first thing we need to do uh, before we get into the topic of what fills us up, uh, we need to recognize or we need to ask what fills me. That's an important question for us to ask because I, I believe that we are finite creatures. Um, we all have capacity. And once that capacity is reached, we are full. I also believe that something will fill you. Something will fill you up. Our souls are like a vacuum. If you don't purposely keep things out and put things in, your soul is going to collect all, everything around you is going to get sucked into you, and it's going to consume you, and you're going to become full of things that are not of God and not have any room for the things that are of God. And so, you know, Paul says in Galatians 5, he says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not able to do what you want to do. And so if we're not careful about what fills us up, that's the life we live. We want to do the right things. We want to do all these things. But everything else that fills us up that is not of God keeps us from doing the things that we want to do. And so, you know, we ask this question, what fills you up? And I'll ask it this way, is, is what do you turn to? In your moments of, of your weakest moments, when you're lonely, when you're bored, when you're stressed out, when you're feeling anxious, when you are hurt, what do you turn to? I mean, do you turn to your career when you're feeling anxious? Do you say, you know, if I could just work a little harder, if I could just put in a little more work, then I wouldn't feel this way. Do you turn to substances? Do you get to the end of the day and you're like, man, I've had a really hard day. I just need that one glass of wine to help me go to bed, one or two glasses. I just need that. I need that to help turn my mind off. Do you turn to mindless screen time? You're like, man, I've had such a bad day. I just, I need to just Netflix and chill, right? I need to just zone out and watch Netflix. Is that what you turn to? See, everybody... Or do you turn to your stuff? You know, do you say, I've had a bad week. You know what? I deserve, I've earned the right to have a little retail therapy, right? I need to go shopping. It'll make me feel better. I've earned, I've earned this. And so what, when you need something, what is your something? 
And if I say what fills you up and your honest to goodness answer is Jesus, then you are dismissed. You can go ahead and go to the restaurants and get ahead of all the St. Patrick's Day lines today. You're good to go. The rest of us are going to hang out here and try to figure this out for a little bit, okay? And hear me very carefully, too, is that, you know, some things that fill us up are wrong. Some things that fill us up are amoral, meaning they're not really right or wrong in and of themselves. And some things that fill us up are even good things. And so you ask the question, how can, a, how can, being, good, how can being full of a good thing be a bad thing? And that's because it's when the good thing becomes your everything. And I want to give you a very concrete example of this, and that's exercise, okay? Now, exercise is great for your body. It's great for your soul. It's great for your mind. We are biblically called to take care of our bodies. But I want to tell you a story about somebody I knew one time uh, many, many years ago. Uh, there was this the girl that I knew at a church I used to go to, um, and she committed to wanting to improve uh, her health. And so she took on this really strong exercise uh, regimen and diet and, and saw amazing results. I mean, she looked great. She felt great. Everything was going great. But then she hit her goals and she says, you know what? I want more. I'm not satisfied. I want to, I want to do more. I want to do more. And so she, she put more time into exercise, more time by all these things. And the problem was is that she was married and her husband didn't necessarily have the same uh, commitment to a healthy lifestyle that she was. And what ended up happening is she ended up meeting a guy at the gym that did share the commitment to the exercise and left him to go off with this other guy. And the problem was, among other problems, I mean, I can't say the problem, there's lots of problems there, but the problem is, is this guy wasn't a believer. But at that point, she didn't care about that anymore because that was not her most important thing anymore. And so it's the difference. The line is when a good thing becomes the only thing. And here is the problem with that something. Whatever your something is in your life, is that something will let you down. In the moment, it may bring you great satisfaction and fulfillment, but it is not sustainable And when the literal or proverbial high wears off, you are left craving more and more and more. And what happens is none of these things will ever completely fill us. Instead, these things consume us. If we don't fill our hearts with Christ, then something can and will try to take its place. And so what's the answer? How do we obtain fullness in God? And this morning we're going to look at Ephesians, and we're going to look at what Paul gives us insight into how this works. And so we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 3, starting verse 13. What we're going to do is I'm actually going to just read this straight through. I'm going to read it all the way through so we can hear it, and then we're going to go back and we're going to break this down part by part. Verse 13, chapter 3. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high And deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so I want to make an observation about this passage. I I think as believers, we want this prayer to read like this. We want it to say, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, 
I pray that out of his glorious riches that he fills me with strength. Period. End of prayer. And so is that a good prayer or a bad prayer? It's kind of a trick question. It's not really a good prayer. It's not a bad prayer. It's not like God's going to be like, well, you didn't use the right formula, so deny, try again. You know, that's not how God works. But what Paul's saying here is, I want to show you a better prayer. Because here's what this prayer asks. It says, God, fill me with strength. And in this, fullness becomes a means to an end. We want to be full so that we have strength. We don't want Christ. We just want the strength. But what Paul is saying here is, I want to teach you a better prayer. Let me show you a prayer where fullness becomes the end result. And how you get there, the means to that end is Christ. So he starts off in verse 14. He says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. Now, I think this is important to, to see this. You see the physical posture here. And back in that time, uh, people stood when they prayed. This is for the same reasons a lot of times that we stand when we sing songs here. But what Paul's saying here is a prayer like this, you need to be on your knees. Because what, what we can see here is that the physical, parts, physical posture can help with the heart posture a lot of times. Physical posture can help with the heart posture. And, you know, I don't know if when you pray, if you pray on your knees or not. I don't, if you don't, just try it sometime. It's some, there's something about getting down on your hands and bowing before God and submitting yourself in humility to him. And he goes on to say, verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So I want you to picture that you're in a conference room, okay? And at the head of the table in the conference room is Bill Gates. And Bill Gates looks at you and says, I'll give you anything you want. Ask me for anything. And you're like, ooh, this is, I better not blow this. I want to think really long and hard. And Bill Gates said, I can have anything I want. What do, what do I want? And you finally, I got it. Bill, I want $5. You'd be like, What? Bill Gates, you can ask him for anything, and the only thing you're going to ask him for is $5? Is that the best that you can do? And what Paul is saying here, when he says, out of his glorious riches, he's saying that God has the power to do incredible things. So when you ask him something, make sure it's worth something. Don't sell yourself short. And this is what he's asking for. He says, God, give me the power of your spirit in my inner being. This is not a prayer seeking something momentary. This is asking God and his power to fill your inner being the deepest parts of your soul with his power. And so we all have an inner being. We all have a soul, an inner part of us uh, that cannot be seen. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly are wasting, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. See, our bodies can be weak. Our bodies can suffer. Our bodies can waste away. Our muscles can't be strong to carry us. But even when we face this, we can be renewed inwardly through the power of the Spirit inside of us. And so what is the result when this happens? It says that then he may strengthen us. We are strengthened by his power. It's not our strength that we're relying on. It's his power, which makes us stronger than we are on our own. And so you look at the difference between these two prayers then. The first says, God, give me physical strength to get through the day. That's the prayer that, that's the prayer that we say a lot, right? I mean, that's the prayer we say. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what Paul's saying, there's a better prayer. His prayer is, God, give me your power in my inner being that will strengthen me day by day for the rest of my life. Do you see the difference between those two prayers? The top one is the one that we want to say. The bottom one is Paul saying, this is a better prayer. So that, in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And let's talk about the word dwell here because it's an important 
one. The word dwell literally means to take up residence. What Paul's saying here is that we want Christ to reside in us. We don't don't want Christ to just visit us. So I asked this morning, you know, what does your relationship with Jesus look like? Do you want him to reside in your heart, or do you want him to come by and visit only when you ask him? That's a convicting question that I wrestle with all the time. It's like, hey, it's Sunday morning. It's Sunday morning. Jesus, come on in. Jesus, come on in. So happy you're, so happy you're here. Here, take a seat. I'm, I'm going to sing some songs to you. Okay, that was fun. Did you like that? All right. Well, Jesus, it's, church is over, so you need to leave now, but I'll, I'll see you Wednesday night when, at home group. Okay? It's a convicting thought that I wrestle with a lot. If you want fullness, fullness is the very opposite of temporary. So verse 17 continues. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so you notice here, we're not praying for power to get through our circumstance. Look for, what he's, look for what he's saying, have power in. That you may have the power to grasp. God, give me the power to grasp how high, how deep, how wide the love of Christ is for me. And so what does grasping look like? I'm going to take you through a little exercise here, okay? Um, so the word here, the Greek word that's used here is a word that's katalambano, okay? Katalambano, go ahead. Right, Good, that was pretty good. Okay, And so this is a Greek word, katalambano, and it's translated a lot of different times in English, but it's a pretty common word that we see throughout the New Testament. I want to, go, I want to take you through some examples of other times when this word katalambano is used, and you can see how it's translated so we can understand what this idea of grasp is. So the first is John 8, 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. So you don't see the word grasp there. You want to take a guess of what katalambano is in this passage? Anybody? This is interactive. Come on. Caught. Good. All right, next one. Mark 9, 18 says, um, Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. Katalambano. Which word is it? What do you guess? Seize. Good. You are two for two. Awesome. Acts 25, 25 says, I found he had done nothing wrong. Or, I'm sorry, I found he had done nothing deserving of death. Because he made his appeal to the emperor, I decided to send him to Rome. Katalambano is what? Ooh, a little harder. Found. Is that Matt? You can't answer. Yes, found. Good job. I'm glad that seminary degree. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last one. 1 Corinthians 9.24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets a prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Contra Lombano, which one? What do you think it is? What is it? Get, get what? Get the prize. It's actually that whole phrase there. Get the prize is what it is. And so you don't see the word grasp anywhere, and it's how we translate it. But you see here, grasp is catch, seize, find, get the prize. The point is that this is an active process. You have to go and get it. You have to catch it. You have to seize it. You have to find it. You have to obtain the prize. Grasp means that you wrestle with this question. How deep is Christ's love for me? Do I really have an appreciation of truly how far Christ went for me? And here's what I love about the way that Paul phrases this question. You think about it, you know, how deep? I mean, can you quantify it? 
mean, can you even try to quantify that? I mean, you give any answer. How deep is it? It's really deep. Well, it's more than that. There will always be more. You cannot quantify this answer. It will always become, it will always fall short of how far Christ really loves you. And so the point here is not even to find an answer. The point here is to constantly wrestle with the question to keep a sense of wonder and awe and appreciation right in front of you every day of your life. Uh, Tim Keller says that secular meditation is the process of emptying your mind, but Christian meditation is the process of filling your mind with gospel truth so that you can wrestle with these things inside of your heart. I mean, how wide is the love of Christ? It's really wide. But I mean, what good does it mean for me to tell you that? How deep is the love of Christ? It's really deep. What does that even mean, right? But for you to understand the question, you have to go out and you have to seek it out for this understanding. And here's the really cool thing about this, and don't miss this, is he says, um, it's a love that surpasses knowledge. It's not even a head knowledge issue. And I want to demonstrate how this works. So I need a, I need a volunteer. JB, thanks for volunteering. Yeah, come on up. It's fine. If you sit in the front row and I know your name, you get the risk of being voluntold to right. come do something. All right. So I have right here, I have this jar of honey. And this honey is really good. Okay. This honey is sweet. It's like it's a darker honey. So you know like darker honey has more of like a richer flavor. It's like a really, really rich flavor. And it's actually it's a product of both the US and Canada. So you get two different countries um, worth of honey here. It's uh, True Source certified, whatever that means. It came from Aldi, so, you know. <laughs> all right. So do you all know what this honey tastes like? How many, how, many can, how many say yes? Yes. How many say no? I don't know what it tastes like, right? How can you not know? I just told you it's sweet. You can't claim ignorance. I told you what this honey tastes like. You can't claim that you don't know. So, JB, would you do us a favor? Taste this honey for me. You're not allergic to honey, are you? I am not. Oh, wow. That's a lot of honey. That was a lot. I'm going for it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell the second service. I got to clean soon for them. Yeah, you're done. I didn't think this through. <laughs> honey has antibacterial properties, so this is totally disinfecting right now as it sits in that spoon. That was awful? It was a huge spoonful. Do you not eat honey? Do you not realize like it's a little bit? Right? Anyway, all right, we have totally off track. All right, my point of that is, what's the difference between your knowledge of what that honey tastes like and JB's knowledge of what that honey tastes like. And see, that's the difference between knowing and grasping. It's the difference between having something be true in theory and actually experiencing it in your inner being and in your heart. And see, I think for me, there was definitely a moment where I had a light bulb moment where it clicked, and I started to finally understand how much Jesus loved me. And it wasn't, and when you, when you understand that, you stop trying to articulate an answer. Because when you ask the question, how much did Jesus love you, your response is just like, wow. That's incredible. I can't even articulate it. It's just a feeling. It's a feeling. And that's how you know you understand it, when it compels you to want to respond. 
It makes you want to respond because it goes from an understanding in your head to a deep, deep appreciation in your heart. So when you are able to grasp the depth and the height and the width and the length of this incredible love, what's the result? Everything we've talked about has been gearing up for this. So that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, that's where the fullness of God is found. It's found with a spiritual sensitivity to the gospel message. Paul answers this question in his own words in Romans 8. He says this, How high, how wide, how long, how deep is Jesus' love for me? Listen to Paul's words here. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who can bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, and we are considered sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither high nor depth, nor anything else in creation, anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, does that make, like, I want to run through that wall when I read that, right? I mean, do you grasp this? And when you're able to fill yourself with the fullness of God, verse 20, and I lost my place, I'll just read it here. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And see, we pray for strength in our circumstances, but Paul is teaching us that the power of Christ within us will give us the power to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine. And so you think that your strength is powerful, try him. Ask him for more. Seek him out. Seek his spirit. Seek the Lord, to dwell within your heart and within your inner being. And all this for what purpose? And this is awesome. Don't miss this. What's the purpose of all this? So that he is glorified. When we live in the fullness of God, we are strengthened, and God is glorified. And so you're like, yes, Keith, all in. How do I do this, right? How do I obtain the fullness of God? And this is either going to be the absolute best sermon application in history, or it's going to be the absolute worst, and I haven't decided yet. How do I get it? I don't know. Here's why. There's only one person that knows what's holding you back from seeking out the fullness of God. There's only one person. I can't tell you, okay? But you know. You know what's holding you back. I'll give you some list of things that might help you get there, but I can't tell you what you need to do to seek out this fullness. So I think the first thing to recognize is that we're all work in progress. I started out by saying, like, I think the more... um, the more I've been a Christian, I think the harder this becomes because you realize it's a, you never, you're never obtain it. You're never really there. You're always seeking. You're always searching. But where are you in the progress? Where are you in the process? It's a constant feeling. It's, 
It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. But where are you this morning? Are you just starting this journey? Do you need to ask Jesus to come into your heart? Do you need to ask Jesus to reside in your heart? That's a great place to be if that's where you are. Are you searching? Have you yet to experience the fullness of God? Seek after him. Maybe you have experienced the fullness of God, but now it feels a little distant. Maybe it's time to seek him again. And if you are full, then maybe, just maybe, it's time to start overflowing into other people around you so that you can help them grasp Christ's love for you. The second thing that we need to do is address the sin in our life. You know, Tim Keller says, seeking out the fullness of God without addressing sin in your life is like filling up a bucket with one hand and the other hand taking a pair of scissors and stabbing holes in it, right? You'll never get there because it's going to drain as quick as you pull it in, pour it in. It's like, Jesus, come reside in my heart, but don't look over there. Don't look over there. So we need to address sin in our life to push out the things not of Jesus to make room for him to fill us. Third, we need to dive into God's word. The first step of grasping is knowing. Knowing is not enough, but I believe that you have to know before you can grasp. How deep is God's love for you? It's the story of the gospel. Dive in and see it. Dive in to God's word. You know, we're this series, uh, we put together a reading guide more that basically takes us through the book of Ephesians over the sermon series. Um, if you haven't, if you're not doing this or you're, you're kind of looking at that, like, I want to study God's word, I don't know where to go, like, there, here's a good start. Come through, go through this journey with us, experience more with us by going through this book. You're going to get more out of it than you would get just here on Sunday morning. Fourth is, is to pray. And so you're like, you know, should I have long prayers all day long? Like, should I have, like, a long prayer block? Should I have, like, short prayers spread out through the day? Like, how should I pray? Yes. Yes is the answer. Pray. Okay? Pray. Have short prayers. Have long, sustained times with God. Have five-second prayers. Seek him out. Wrestle with his word, and then talk to him about what you're learning when you study his word with him. Fifth thing you can do is to talk to others. So verse 18, it says, together with all the Lord's holy people. I think we get this idea, we get this picture that this works really well when we do this together. I can tell you that some of the best grasping in my life has been sitting across the table from somebody, talking about the things that God is doing in my heart and hearing about the things that God is doing in their heart. Just a couple weeks ago, I was really wrestling with something, and I was having like all these random thoughts in my head, and I was having such a hard time putting it all together, and I was sitting there having coffee with somebody, and we talked for like an hour and it was a lot of me talking and him, like, kind of shaking his head, listening, you know. And at towards we're done, he's, I kind of got done, and he said, so what you're saying is one sentence. And I was like, that is it. I, can, I haven't been able to articulate that, but what you just said, that's exactly how I'm feeling. I don't, I don't think that's coincidence. I think that was the Holy Spirit in him telling me what I needed to hear in that moment. But that kind of stuff happens when we sit down and we grasp together. It can be a powerful conversation for the person telling and for the person hearing. So next time you sit down... With somebody who's a believer, ask them, how's, how's God working in your life? What's going on in your life? What is God teaching you? And finally, the thing we need to do is to work at this. We need to work to apply this in our life. Um, it's something that, one thing that I've learned through this process is that my brain, I feel like, is a lot better behaved at this in my heart. Because I can fill my brain with things like this. And then my brain is like, heart, why are you having trouble? Like, don't be anxious. Don't you know? Don't you know? Like, heart, come on. But it takes, a, it takes work. It takes work to apply this in our life. It takes a conscious effort to improve it. What I want to close with this thought, though, is that I started out this message by saying this whole series is about living out uh, who 
you believe that you are and who God wants you to be who you are. And this passage tells us that we can do immeasurably more than we can imagine according to his power within us. My challenge for us is to live like that this week. And I want to do something a little different to close this morning. This is something we don't usually do, but I just thought this was really appropriate um, in these circumstances. So what I want us to do is I want us to go ahead, and you're all going to stand up. I want you all to stand, please. And on the screen behind you, I've kind of rewritten this um, scripture as a prayer, okay? And I want you to take a second, and I just want you to read it. I'm not going to say anything. I want you to read this just quietly in your heads, okay? And then when, we're, when you're done with that, I'm going to read it out loud, and, if, and I would love for you to join me, and I would love to make this our prayer for all of us this week. I'm going to give you a second to read it because I want you to process it. I don't want this to be a mindless thing you just read. I want you to process what you're saying. I'll be quiet, let you read. If you want that this week, then I would invite you to say this prayer out loud with me right now as we pray this together. Dear God, I pray that out of your glorious riches that you may strengthen me with power through your spirit in my inner being so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for me. And I want to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that I may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God, I believe that you are able to do immeasurably more than I, all I can ask or imagine according to your power that is at work within me. Help me live this out day by day to your glory. Amen. That's our time together. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, we're doing um, Discovering River Ridge in the Starting Point Room. If you're new to River Ridge, got some questions about the church, uh, go spend some time in there. Otherwise, go pinch somebody not wearing green. Have a great week.